The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. And uh, happy Freedom Day, Will, uh, when we're recording this. Uh, I believe all murders are legal now, is that right? It's the purge. Yes. I believe it's the purge. That's what the New South Wales government have announced. It is officially the purge. It felt like that this morning, I will tell you, because, yeah, I'm in uh, New South Wales and on the day of this recording, it's Freedom Day in New South Wales because, you know what? We're close enough to our target, yeah. so fuck it. Let's yeah. just get back out there and see what happens. There's only 500 people with COVID. Let's see if we can get it up to a couple of thousand by the end of the week. So um, obviously for Freedom Day, I did everything that I could possibly do to um, celebrate Freedom Day. I dressed like George Michael from his Freedom 90 uh, video clip. Yep. Um, yeah, the revenge uh, leather jacket on. I had the revenge leather jacket on. Did that in the morning and then uh, dressed like Mel Gibson for Braveheart um, <laughs> in the afternoon. Did you want to go real deep with your cuts and dress up like Freedom Williams from CNC Music Factory? Just get all shirtless That's who and I buff. did, yeah. I, I just ran around this morning yelling at everybody, everybody dance now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, we were listening to um, CNC Music Factory came on um, Spotify while driving around. And uh, I was saying, oh, isn't this like, it's such a 90s song, like everybody dance now. Like I said, what even genre is it? It's not really R&B. Is it sort of pop? And Jim's like, it's dance. It's like early mm. sort of dance kind of house pop. And then I had this Charlie, little... the lyrics are literally everybody dance now. <laughs> yeah, it I is saw... dance music. Like, there's, there's lots of rock and roll songs and pop <laughs> songs that have dance in the title. But the genre, because it, it, it is such a, has that... It just, it feels like the 90s to me in the same way that when you used to watch like Platoon or whatever, the 60s was always, you know, uh, Smoke on the Water or Paint It Black or whatever. Everybody Dance Now to me is the early 90s. And maybe it's because I had a gay older brother who came back from London in like the early 90s with like a mixtape of like house music or whatever. But that song just really sort of sticks in my head. But then this little bit of trivia stuck in my mind about CNC Music Factory that I, I don't even know how I know this, but like the human internet, a lot of stuff just comes to me. So Freedom Williams is the guy who does all the rapping in CNC Music Factory. And after that first album, which is a big smash hit album, he decided to go solo because he's like, you know what? Who needs the factory when you got me? Freedom Williams. And I don't so want to be down working at the factory. My name is literally... Freedom. freedom. I don't want a factory job. I am like Eminem in 8 Mile, which of course was based on the story of Freedom Williams from CNC Music Factory. And so I believe he went solo and his first single, I believe, was a song called Freedom about him, Freedom Williams, where they sampled the song Freedom by George Michael. <laughs> Just in case you weren't getting the message. <laughs> okay, I've got the lyrics here to um, CNC Music Factories. Uh, gonna make you sweat. Uh, brackets. Okay. All right, everybody so, dance. Now. Okay, good. I was gonna say so. It, it, it's gonna make you sweat, of course. Uh, everybody dance now. Everybody dance now. Give me the music. Give me the music. Okay. Well, like, they're pretty simple. Take it easy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so pushy. Also, I would have asked in the opposite direction. If I am at like some sort of an occasion, like a wedding or like some organized dance where everyone's like, get on the dance floor and dance, I require the music to start playing before I get out on the dance floor. I don't yeah. demand that people start dancing and then say to the DJ, all right, drop a beat. That oh, so is the <laughs> absolute wrong order to do that. Oh, you, you've got it all wrong, Will. When I, whenever I'm at a wedding, I stand on the edge of the dance floor and I just point at the DJ and I yell, give me the music. And I just stand there until I get a beat before I start busting my moves. Okay, so the refrain basically is just repeating everybody dance yeah. now. Yeah, everybody dance now. Okay. Now, what lyrics do you remember? What's the kind of Freedom Williams rap first line? Smooth. Is it sort of smooth? No. no but I oh. like, you've got the energy and the attitude of it. Okay. Here is the dome. 
remember that. Oh, right. Here is the dome, yeah. which I never really Here's understood. The dome. Yeah. Right. Are you talking about the Melbourne nightclub, the dome? <laughs> I mean, is he the dome? Is he free dome, Williams? Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. Here is the dome. Dome commonly, your, your head is your dome. Okay. Here is the dome back with the bass. The jam is live in effect and I don't want to waste time off the <laughs> mic with a dope rhyme. Jump to the rhythm, jump, jump to the rhythm, jump. I'm here to combine beats and lyrics, make you shake your pants, take a chance, Wait come on and dance. Wait a minute, just pause for a second. Shake your pants. Yeah. Now, I've heard shake your booty. I've heard shake your body. Shake your pants. Yeah. Shake your pants is like when you've done a sneaky fart. <laughs> you want to just shake, shake it out. Your pants. <laughs> shake your pants. Like, Maybe. Like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank. Just get out in the yard. Shake your pants a little. Every dad, every dad would do that joke where he'd do a fart and he'd reach down and shake the cuff of his pants to let it out, right? Maybe that's what Freedom Williams is doing. Well, then maybe that's what he refers to as freedom. That's his true freedom, just sneaking a fart out. It's I hope that kills you. All right, okay. So um, he wants to make you shake your pants, take a chance, come on and dance. Yeah. Guys, grab a girl. Don't wait. Make the twirl. It's your world and I'm just a... It's your world and I'm just a... Okay, so he's already rhymed girl. Here we go. Um, so girl, guys, grab a girl. Guys, grab a girl. Don't wait, make the twirl. Don't wait, make the twirl. It's your world and I'm just a... I, I'm just a boy sitting here waiting for a girl to love me. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a is squirrel. <laughs> what? That's not even a word. <laughs> it's squirrel. But oh, like squirrel. Yeah, but he... What? Yes, he try, tries to make it rhyme with twirl, squirrel. Yeah, okay, but what is a squirrel? Is that a euphemism for something? He hides your nuts. <laughs> well, I think you'll find, Charlie, if you read on to the next sentence, is your oh, okay, world great. and I'm just a squirrel trying oh, yeah. to get a nut. Oh. So move your butt. Ah, good. Okay, so shake your pants but move your butt. That's yeah. why he didn't spend the butt too early. He knew he had a butt coming to rhyme with nut, and he's like, I can't spend it too early. <laughs> But pants and dance, that works perfect. Move your butt to the dance floor. So you, what's up? Hands in the air. Come on, say yeah. Everybody over here. Everybody over there. There. <laughs> the crowd is live enough as I pursue this groove. Party people in the house move. Yeah. Left to right, groove. Mm -hmm. Work me all night. Come on, let's Smooth. sweat. Oh. Oh. Sweat. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Let, Let, the, music take take control. Control. Let the music take control. <laughs> Let the rhythm Let move the music move Sweat. Sweat. <laughs> All right, pause. Take a breath. Okay. And go for yours on my command. Now hit the dance floor. It's going to make you sweat till you bleed. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> see a doctor if that happens. Freedom. <laughs> if pain persists, please see a doctor. <laughs> Is that dope enough indeed? I love that. That sounds very posh. <laughs> Isn't that dope enough? Indeed. <laughs> I say good day to you, CNC Music Factory. Um, uh, sweat to your bleed. Is that dope enough? Indeed. I paid the price to control the dice. I'm more precise to the point. I'm nice. Nice. Let the music take control of your heart and soul. Unfold. Your body is free and behold, dance till you can't dance. Dance till you, you can't, can't dance, dance, no, dance more. no more. Get on the floor and get unverified, it says here. So they don't know what. <laughs> really? Well, it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> they couldn't get work it out. <laughs> I mean, they're not the most complex lyrics. Surely uh, internet detectives could have worked it out. Like, I mean, it's very basic, right? Unverified. Okay. Well, he did make twirl and squirrel. Right, you know what? So. Let's let's speculate. Let's just fill okay. it in. Uh, so I'll give you the line into it again. Um, dance till you can't dance till you can't dance no more. Get on the floor and get some more. No, you've already had more. Dance till you can't oh. dance no more. Oh, get on yeah, the floor okay. and get... Uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, call your dealer and score. <laughs> get on the floor. Call your dealer and score. It's sure. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the birth of ecstasy, right? The early nineties. Get on the floor and get raw. I would have gone. Oh, get raw. Oh, that 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 probably sounds better. Um, all right, that that's pretty much it. You know. Can you um? We'll look up what was Freedom Williams's um solo song. Am I? Because that's my recollection. I have not verified or checked, but. I seem to remember the song was called Freedom by Freedom Williams, where he samples Freedom 90 by George Michael. Um, okay, so, oh, hang on. Freedom Williams, here we go. Uh, Freedom Williams. Uh, Williams' solo debut, Freedom, yes. was released on June 1st, 1993. The single was called Voice of Freedom. Oh, well, that was close. <laughs> And peaked at number 74 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number 74. Yeah. Oh, the lofty heights he fell from. From the number one single with Sensi Music Factory to number 74. And he sampled Freedom 90, which would have cost them a fortune. What I love about that is they would have bet big. They got, you know what, we've got the guy from Sensi Music Factory. Sure, we have to pay millions to George Michael to get, but I mean, how can we go wrong? <laughs> In the late 1990s, Williams started to uh, perform worldwide shows under the CNC Music Factory uh, moniker or variations of that name. I love that that phrase, or variations of that name. No, 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 we're DNC Music Factory. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> In 2005, CNC Music Factory founding member Civilis labelled this the biggest insult in the world. Oh, I love this. Williams also performs CNC songs like Do You Want to Get Funky that were created after Williams had left CNC Music Factory. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheeky. I can understand you play like, we, you know, if you go and see Mark Seymour, he, you might play some Hunters and Collectors songs, but he's not like playing songs from the band after he left the band. I think I remember I saw... The drummer from the Ramones, I can't remember which Ramone, Johnny, Tommy, not Johnny, not, not, uh, I can't remember, whatever Ramone he was, the drummer. But he came out and played Ramone songs with the Spazzies at the Corner Hotel. And he definitely played songs that he was no longer the drummer for. They just did Ramones covers. He did the three or four that he was the drummer for, and then the rest were all songs that he weren't he wasn't around for taylor hawkins from the foo fighters foo fighters um used to be the drummer for alanis morissette like do you That's reckon right. if you go to a foo fighters gig he can just sing you ought to know or whatever <laughs> wouldn't surprise me these days with uh the foo fighters i've seen some footage of their gigs lately and they are getting loopy like taylor have you seen that taylor would get up front and he'll sing um uh, under pressure queen He's got a real, he's got a real disco streak. I didn't realize Taylor, but he loves Freddie Mercury and he loves Queen. That's like his favorite band. I saw an interview with him where he's saying, "I could just play anything. I could play anything." And it's like, "Oh, this is who you want to be," because he's a good-looking guy. Like he could be a frontman in any other band, like for a Nickelback or a Creed or whatever. Taylor Hawkins, is that his name? Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Is that what we he said? Be, did, we, or did we say Taylor yeah. Hawkins? I think I think so. I just I scared. Hopefully, myself. we didn't say didn't Taylor even... Walker, the disgraced <laughs> Adelaide, disgraced AFL, AFL footballer. footballer. But he would be your your front guy. But then I guess you get someone who's just a little bit more charismatic. It's kind of like the Scotty Pippen issue, isn't it? It's like in any other band, Taylor would have been your lead singer. But then there's just one guy that's a little more talented than you who takes all the limelight. Well, I mean, that was Dave Grohl in Nirvana, though, right? Yeah, so he learned. <laughs> Dave Grohl, you just got to get a band with people who are charismatic but slightly less charismatic. Yeah, I've got to get a drummer who's really good. He could be really good in his own right, but that's what I need. <laughs> uh, now, Will, we've been circling around um, uh, the mundane-ish aspects of my life and we had a listener write in uh, saying I should write a Larry David-esque sitcom about my life. Um, and I ventured a story about taking Iona to the playground and, and you know, uh, the issues that come up with that, like, you know, playing on swings when there's kids around. And I have this, I'm always nervous that I'm going to get into some kind of altercation with a kid and have a Larry David moment. Well, it finally happened. <laughs> Everyone will be glad to know that uh, yesterday I got into an argument with a kid. Good. Great. <laughs> At the playground. Great. Love it. It's not a very long story, but I feel we can break yeah. it down, the minutiae of it. So... 
Iona has this thing at the moment. It's a little game she plays. I don't know where it came from or the origins of it or, or what it's about, but she plays a game called Night Night where she would just randomly say to you, Night Night, and she'll just lie down on the ground. If there's a, a blanket or something she can pull over herself available, she'll pull the blanket over herself. She'll close her eyes. She'll pretend to sleep for about 15 seconds and then she'll say, Morning, and she'll get up and she'll stretch and then she'll make you breakfast and hand you some breakfast. And so she just repeats that. Sometimes it can take an hour of just like goes to sleep, morning, makes you breakfast, feeds you something. The variation on what she feeds you is sometimes it's delicious and sometimes it's disgusting, but she won't tell you. So she'll feed you something and you eat it and you, you'll go, mmm, and she'll like, bah, poo, 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 and you'll be like, oh no, that's disgusting. Poo, poo. Or sometimes you'll spit it out and she'll get annoyed because it's meant to be delicious, but you don't know. You don't know what you're eating. <laughs> I mean, she's got the absolute temperament of a chef. Like, she's nailed that. She's instinctively (laughs) zoned right into chef zone, which is just to confuse the shit out of you and be angry regardless. So um, we were at the playground, uh, uh, and there's this big, you know, tunnel that runs Mm -hmm. under the sort of the, the jungle gym, big plastic tunnel. And Iona likes to go in there and she plays night-night. So I'll just sit on the grass while she goes in there and she'll go night-night and she'll like pretend to fall asleep in the tunnel and she'll wake up and we do the whole thing. She brings me food. This is a very cute way of you telling everybody that your daughter is now sleeping in a tunnel. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So I left her there tonight. She seemed fine. She says she's made friends with these four turtles (laughs) and they're going to look after her. Uh, So she's in the tunnel and it was quite a, a... not a busy day, but I'd say, I'd say like it wasn't a hundred percent packed. It was about a seventy-five percent. Mm. So you know, there's a lot of kids running around everywhere and stuff. And I have a bit of an issue with bigger kids at playgrounds because I think there's a cutoff. Like right? how big? Like this play equipment. How I'm, big? Like what's the cutoff? I think eight. If you're if you're eight and above, you got to go fine because the equipment is not built for you the slides you're too big for the slides the the stairs are too big you just you're just taking up space that little toddlers need to be able to get around on not all play equipment some playgrounds are built for kids of all ages but this particular playground it's not built for big also kids. mate you're eight like have you not heard of Fortnite? Yeah. get a headset exactly. get online with your friends <laughs> yeah not heard of red tube right. what are you talking about <laughs> hey, hey. bloody hell Get off the swings. I'll show uh, you something on my phone. <laughs> so there's this kid, um, sort of blustery, big, mm. big dorky kid running around. And he's already kind of like, I already was like, ah, oh, this kid's he's too rambunctious for me. The way he's like thumping around and just like, you know, not pu- he wasn't pushing kids aside. He wasn't being intentionally um, physically aggressive. But just by being a big dorky kid, he was just like, you know, making it hard for the toddlers to, to get around. Anyway, so I was keeping half nine on him. And uh, he jumps down off the, after, you know, stomping around in this jungle gym, he jumps down off the slide and he goes to get in through the tunnel. And Iona's just gone night-night, so she's closing her eyes. And so I said to him, hey, mate, I said, we're just playing a game here. Just give us a second and, you know, she'll get out of your way. He doesn't listen to me. He just starts, said, like, crawling I, with I, his big... Okay, boomer. <laughs> he shouted yeah, over exactly. his shoulder. <laughs> So with his big oafish like feet and elbows and knees, he starts crawling over her and like, you know, could hit, hit her in the face or whatever like that. I, I doesn't get too upset, but you can see she's a little big, bigger kid, bigger kid. So she sort of gets all yeah. like retreats. She's like, I'm sleeping so, here. I'm sleeping yeah. here. <laughs> well, so I say, to the, so he gets through and I'm like, hey, mate, I said, sorry. I said, we're just, we're just playing a game. And he's gone. He's looked at me. And <laughs> this is exactly the tone. He's gone. Hey, mate. He didn't say mate. He said, hey. The playground's for playing, not for sleeping. <laughs> I mean, he's making a fair point. Oh, my God. I saw red. I was like, hey, buddy, what if we're playing at sleeping? That counts, doesn't it? She's allowed to play at sleeping. Mm. And he was like, nah, she can go fall asleep on the swings. <laughs> and so then he runs off and I'm yelling at him <laughs> as he runs off. I'm like, how's she going to sleep on a swing? How's she going to hold the pillow on a swing? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I got sucked into a fire with an eight-year-old. It was just his attitude. <laughs> There's just something about him. Like, I don't know what a playground is. But also, he's kind of right. Like, 
No, he's sleeping not. is not. No, a, he's sleeping not. is not a playground game. She it's wasn't actually asleep. I understand. She wasn't. But that's not a playground game. Like that's a like Where's park it? game. Like, Get her into some open mate. space and let her sleep wherever she wants to sleep. I just, I mean, this is I disagree with him about the swings. They are an unsafe place for your child to be sleeping. <laughs> to he was sleep. absolutely wrong about that. But the fact that a tunnel is not an appropriate place to sleep, maybe he has a point. No, kids play whatever they want. You don't even know the yeah. games the kids are playing when they get yeah. to play. Well, games. that's what you're saying. You're saying that, like, your kid can do whatever no, they want. But this I'm saying, kid, like... Can't, can't play because tunnels because you've got a sleeping baby most in the toddlers, tunnel. like, they don't have a huge vocabulary. So they're playing games. And you'll see the parents. We have <laughs> no idea what the game is or what the rules of the game are. They'll come up and they'll bring you something and you'll take it and they scream at you. And you're like, ah, all right, sorry. And then you give it back and then they scream at you. And then you don't know what the... And then they'll run off and they'll come back with exactly the same thing and you won't take it and they scream at you. And then you take it and they scream and you're like, I don't know what the game is. So the idea of a, a toddler pretending to be asleep for like 15 seconds in the tunnel, that is not the, the weirdest thing you'll see a toddler do at a playground. I mean, it's fine for you, but like for this eight-year-old who's just trying to have some fun getting through a tunnel, he doesn't yeah. give a shit about your sleeping child. He's too big. He, sh- he was too big to get in the tunnel. It looked like a huntsman trying to get out of like a tiny little crack in the wall or something. He was too big to be getting I think tunnel. they should have playgrounds that graduate. Like, you know, like they do with like, you know, primary school and high school. Yeah. They should have like playgrounds that are like, you know, for toddlers and there should be cooler ones at like sort of age eight to 14. Like, you know, put in some like trampolines and some nets and some like cooler stuff. Isn't that, I mean, that's what a park generally is. (laughs) Like a park will have different, different kind of uh, rides and No, but I'm talking about, yeah, but you're talking about the playground. You're saying this eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm saying a playground for bigger kids. Right. So you still want to go to the playground. Like, you're not ready for a park. Yeah. You're not ready to be in the outdoor world yet. You need somebody that is still kind of protected from, like, people exercising oh, and doing okay. things like that. Where do you draw the line then? So, another day I was down, different playground, but uh, in the same area, and uh, school had just got out. So, a bunch of, like, dorky 13 to 14-year-olds turned up, like, three guys, three girls, dorky, you know, high school kids. Yeah. And they come into the playground and they start jumping on the swings and stuff like that, which... Physically, they could still fit in that. But I'm sitting there going like, ah, guys, come on. Like, you're too big. But then I think about when I was a teenager and there weren't a lot of places you could go hang out, especially if you want to hang out right. with girls or, or whatever. But there's grass. And it's still fun to like be on a swing or like a seesaw or whatever. Yeah, but don't you think there should be an age limit? Like, if you are old enough to open the childproof gate, to get in, then you can't play on the rides. That's my... Well, that's why I'm saying that we need a second playground. We need a more advanced playground that you can graduate to. So that these Well, that's what the fun factory is in Luna Park. Yeah, but not everybody has access to Luna Park or like, you know, money to go to bounce. That's like a special occasion treat. I'm talking about something yeah, that right. like much like Three. the park is for like, you know, toddlers and young kids. There should be like a fun park, like for sort of people who are sort of nine to fourteen or whatever. Well, what do you put in it? I don't know. Fortnite. Yeah, for- <laughs> video games. <laughs> a lot of iPads. <laughs> I don't, this is well out of my sphere of knowledge. Like my, you know, I don't have children. Yeah, but think back to when you were a nine. Yeah, I know. But that's like, that feels like a very long time ago. You know, when I walk past parks, you know, like firstly, I don't really like walk by and pay a lot of attention because here's what you shouldn't do if you're a middle-aged man walking by yourself. Walk slowly by a park and examine everything. Like, it's just one of those things that you just like, the polite thing to do is head down and like, you know, move quickly by this park. And so, but what I have noticed in my periphery is that park technology has advanced substantially from when I was a kid. It's amazing. Safety, the safety, everything's covered in rubber, it's all like thick, soft plastic. It's great. I mean, it. She and where we're staying at the moment in the Gold Coast too. She because it's a real touristy area. She's spoiled for choice. Like it's all geared for that holiday market. But I also think that there's an element of these playgrounds where there's a hierarchy to the to the rides, right? Like the slide is your kind of king. Swings are sort of like your queen 
And then if you have a specialty, like at this one playground, there's a, it's like a June buggy that they've gutted. Mm -hmm. That's kind of your like, that's your crown jewel. That's your ace. But not every playground has that. So then with the hierarchy of rides, because all the kids, they just want to go to the best rides and just want to keep going down the same ride. So you've got to work out, well, how long do I let my kid play on this? Like the tunnel, how long do I let Iona? The tunnel, I would say, would rank not even in the top 10 of attractions. It's a hole. Right, it's a tunnel. There's nothing, <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing cool about it. So I thought we were quite safe to have Iona in there. If Iona was falling asleep at the top of the slippery dip, Sure. I mean, that, you know, I wouldn't have argued yeah. with that kid at that, all. But that should have been your <laughs> argument with the eight-year-old. You're like, look at you, mate. You're eight years old and you like think running through a tunnel is fun. This is not on me. This is on you. <laughs> well, there's another shop. There's another playground in the shopping center, like an in, 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 indoor playground. And it is state-of-the-art. Like it is like from Wipeout or... Right. You know, what's that one? Uh, Australian Ninja Warrior. It's just got like sp- sponge pits and, and flying foxes and netting and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I wouldn't mind having a go on this. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a bit of a play on this. How am I uh, going to do that? And that's when the police go. <laughs> you know, um, I caught up with a mutual friend of ours the other night and he recently uh, broke his ribs on a water slide. So... He is in his late 40s and um, he went on a water slide and he, you know. Who is that? Uh, well, I mean, our mutual friend, his initials are VK. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we call him VK, so that tells me all I need to know. Um, he broke his, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, going down a water slide and um, thought he'd punctured his lung. Had to like, you know, go to hospital <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I'd known that. I should, how long when did this happen? I could have been giving him shit for weeks. Yeah, it's been weeks, I think. And so, oh, wow. but it was a real, like in my head, when he was telling me this story, because there's, with my injuries and stuff, I've, like, the idea of going down a water slide is something that I've reconciled is absolutely in my past. It's been in my past for right. 15 years now like I got diagnosed with my hip stuff in my early 30s and I'm 47 now so like the idea that I'm going on a water slide I just absolutely ruled that out so even the fact that he had done it that he thought he could do it without injuring himself there was part of me that really admired it how did he injure himself like was it hitting the water at the end that's pretty soft no I believe he got like (laughs) thrown from side to side and then nearly cleaned up a kid in the tunnel <laughs> so he was the eight-year-old in this scenario. Yeah, he was absolutely. Yeah, there was this young girl who was just playing nine-eye in a water slide tunnel, and he just bowled through. Well, that is one thing that I am now acutely aware of. Having a kid is, well, a I waited so long to have one. Like I am now, you know, I'm at that age where you wake up. And, you know, you've pulled a muscle in your sleep or something. I literally pulled a muscle in my back the other day. What was I doing? I was picking something off the floor and my back went out. And I'm like, oh, this is no good when I have like a two-year-old that I have to constantly pick up and get out of danger. Like we just came tonight from dinner. We're at a restaurant and she was about to stick her hand into like a lit candle on the ground. And I ran over to get her. But as I went to pick her up, my back seized up. And I'm like, jump up. (laughs) (laughs) Rick. <laughs> like the geriatric super superhero, I couldn't even get down to pick her up. My back was so so messed. Yeah, you're up. at the hospital, and they're like, "Well, the good news is, Mister Clawson, that your baby did not sustain um, uh, terrible <laughs> burns. burns. So, so that is absolutely good news. It's a it's a miracle. But were you not there at the time? And you're like, I was there. I was so close. I was locked in place, five centimeters away from picking her up. Um, there's a bit of mail I wanted to get okay. to. I know it's early for mail, but this is from way, way back. I'd, I'd earmarked it to talk about, but for some reason forgot about it. This is from July. Okay. Uh, Ger- the, the, talking about geriatrics just made me think of this. Um, this is from Jessica. She sent this back in July. Uh, Hi, Charlie and Will. Hope you're well. I'm listening to episode 345. We wonder if your listeners are on, on TikTok. Well, we are. And she says, I am a geriatric millennial who lives in the UK and they did something to help me get through 
this pan well it's pandemic but she calls it a panini which i, I think is quite cute <laughs> referring to the pandemic as a panini have you heard that before I mean, I would have got behind a leader who'd come out at their press conferences and gone, well, the bad news is that, you know, there are 2,000 cases uh, in the community, active in the community at the moment. But the good news is we've rebranded it, the Panini. It's so cute. And I feel like we're all going to be more comfortable <laughs> with it. It's the end of the Panini. We're going to have a Panini day. Everyone's going to get a Panini. So where would you rank a ge geriatric millennial? So that would be in their early 30s, right? So, uh, I, I, you know what? Funnily enough, I had the conversation the other day and um, Googled what a millennial mm. was. So, uh, because uh, my partner, Amy, famously hates millennials. Not just millennials. There's a list of people that she <laughs> hates, but millennials are high on that list. What? Fucking Why? millennials. Oh, I don't know. Talk, just she's been listening to a lot of talkback like radio. <laughs> so what's going on? Just, just a lot of, she's always like fucking millennials. These fucking millennials that. And then the other night we were talking about millennials and what the generations were and where the official cutoffs were. And I Googled millennials and it turns out she's a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Suck, shit. <laughs> oh, that's like gr every great morality play. <laughs> Yeah, she's a self-hating millennial. So That's she's amazing. an original millennial too. She's like first year millennial. Like, wow. you know, yeah, OG. exactly. OG millennial. <laughs> so uh, 1981 until 1996, okay. if you're so born Jessica, in those years. So, so Jessica could be uh, in that age bracket if she's a geriatric mm -hmm. millennial. Actually got me thinking too, just a, a side topic. So Back to the Future, if it was made today, right? Uh, you'd be sending Marty McFly back to 1991. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is a significant, a cultural difference between now and 91 as there was between 85 and 55? Yes. Okay. So the, the internet, the, the internet uh, like okay. absolutely, like that would be the okay. thing. Also, okay. if you were living in current day times and you went back to 1991, here's what you'd do. Stay there. <laughs> it is a much better time than the time we're currently living in. Back to the 90s. Everybody dance now. Okay, so the scene where Marty has to convince George or trick George into uh -huh. asking Lorraine out. So he sneaks in in the hazmat suit and he puts the Walkman on him and he plays Van Halen. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I am from planet Vulcan. Right. So how do you contemporize that? So you're doing the reboot of Back to the Future. You need to go in because I don't think you could go and play someone from 91 metal from now or thrash or hip hop or anything. And they'll just be like, oh, it sounds pretty much like all the music we have now. The only thing I could think of, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. if, so you've got the hazmat suit. That's fine. Whatever. Like that can look scary. But if you took your iPhone with you, I reckon you bring out your iPhone and you turn on the torch and you scan it. You put on your your your, um, um, your ringtone and you run the light up them and you say, like, I'm doing a body scan of you or something like that. Or, you know, and, and that's how you scare them. Do you reckon that would freak out someone from 91 or would they go, that kind of looks like a, a phone? <laughs> yeah, I've got to be honest with you. 91's not far enough back to go, this is a future scanner. <laughs> like, you wouldn't be able to get Wi-Fi. You wouldn't be able to use most of your apps. It'd actually be quite useless. But it's more the appearance. Yes. Like, do you think there is anything that you could take from now that would convince someone from 91, holy fuck, like, you know, I'm dealing with someone from a different dimension like Van Halen did to George McFly? I actually think maybe your personal computer would look more impressive than your iPhone because your iPhone... Oh no, maybe not actually. Um, and remember, it's more about, but it's more about intimidating them in the way that Van Halen, because music, he heavy metal to someone in the fifties yeah. would sound like fucking never heard anything like it. So, what could you show, or or or? I mean, could it be CGI? Could you go? Could you have something on your phone that's like, well, Terminator Two comes out in ninety one, so probably not. What like? What's the most impressive? visually or like sonically that like there must be something what's blown our something minds really obvious that in we're the missing. last 30 years fury road could you take back fury road would oh, that no, blow your mind because no, because fury not. road's all practical effects they were doing that back in the 80s yeah that's <laughs> yeah. a good point actually right space jam 2 <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you could do maybe 
I mean, is there any invention? Is there any like, could you take like a, a fidget spinner? <laughs> take back a fidget spinner or, or your razor scooter? Do a wheelie on your razor scooter? I don't know. I don't think there's anything that the cultural differences are just not as pronounced. From the 50s to the 80s, there's a huge leap forward in terms of popular culture. I don't think that we, I think we're, if anything, we're just rehashing the 80s and 90s these days. Yeah, I actually think that you're right. Like it does feel like you're, there would be less of a culture shock. I mean, like things have changed a lot, but I still think, yes, there would be less of a culture shock. What about a, a Roomba? I mean, I think... A drone. In 19... A drone. A drone, yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, terrifying today. I reckon if you just got one of those little like handheld drones and yeah. say this is a nanobot, uh, it, it's injected millions of these into your bloodstream, do what I say, otherwise you're going to be terminated. That's what you'd say. If you could get Wi-Fi to run it, like, I mean, oh, oh you're in a different time and they access, like, I was going to say like a, a, a home assistant. But again, you wouldn't actually be able to use them in 1991. You can't go, use your, like, Siri or whatever. Because they, they would be impressive. I think that if we took back, like, our everyday, like, you know, home assistant things, like, that would blow your mind a little bit. But you wouldn't be able to work them because you'd be on dial-up. It wouldn't be that impressive. Just trying to think of, like, even, you know, those apps you have on your phone, like Snapchat, those filters where you can suddenly get a dog's face or a demon's face or you're wearing sunglasses. I reckon that would freak me out. I mean, I, mm. I, when that happened five years ago, I was like, whoa, what is this yeah. witchcraft? <laughs> so if you could somehow get that function going without yeah. Wi-Fi, if the app functions without being connected to the internet and you went up to George McFly and you held it over his face and said, you know, I'm telling you. Yeah. You're a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would terrify you a little bit. Uh, all right, anyway. Back to Jessica's uh, letter. So mm. she uh, is just wanted us to know that there are millennials on TikTok who listen to this show. So that's good. We keep them we keep we keep them um, uh, we keep them tittering so they keep TikToking. No, we keep them do you call it TikToking? What do you do it? What do you call it if you're a TikToker? TikToking? What do you, it was Twittering? It's it's Instagram. It's gramming, isn't it? TikToking, talking, talking. Um, yeah. So our comedy chops lead to better TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Like the fact that you had to think about it for that long, and that's what you came up with. I really, with. I'm trying to think. Something ends in like ox. Uh, cox they talk about cox so we do our tiktoks <laughs> okay so she said there was a huge increase in millennial tiktok accounts from the uk us and melbourne as the pandemic hit and it's not all about dances uh for instance you might like to read this article about phantom a seven foot tall horse who is very popular on tiktok in fact there are lots of horses claiming to be the tallest horse in the world mm. When I was finding this thing for you, um, another one came up about the Guinness world record holder who recently passed away, thanks to the last Jessica. So I thought we'd just briefly brush on this story. So as we know, Elias claims to have the biggest horse in all of Norway. But this horse, Phantom, how tall do you reckon Phantom is in feet? Uh, okay. So um, can you remember how big... No, because Norwegian horses no, aren't Elias even never, that big, are they? That's the thing. No, so, and Elias never gave us a... Um, so I'm going to say double me. I'm going to say 12 foot tall. Less. Uh, eight foot tall. Less. Six foot tall. More. <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm taller than the biggest horse on TikTok, or as of course horses call it, click clock. Um, <laughs> uh, seven foot tall. Seven foot tall. So uh, a phantom is a shiny head stallion who has a cult following. A wink, wink. Okay. Um, he's a seven-year-old breed, a oh, seven-foot-tall, seven-year-old breed. If, if, uh, if the devil is six, then Phantom is seven. <laughs> Phantom is a seven-year-old shy breed who lives at the Maryland Rescue Center. He's getting a lot of attention after a TikTok video showcasing his towering seven-foot height brought in more than 11 million views. Although shires are generally a tall breed, Phantom's soaring stature is still unusual as the largest is r rarely taller than six feet. Well, there you go. You would be taller than most, most horses. Shire, or most shire. Most shire horses. horses. 
Um, we can't take Phantom anywhere without crowds coming to stand next to him to get a picture of the giant horse, says Lauren. Lauren Nation, Director of Development at Gentle Giants Draft Horse Rescue in Mount Airy. <laughs> Such a specific <laughs> rescue. I mean, giant horse rescue. I didn't realize it was that much of an epidemic. Um, many people can't believe there are horses as big as him, unless you listen to Bloody Toe Fop. Uh, he's only about an inch shorter than Big Jake, the world's tallest horse, mm. until his death last month at the age of 20, who measured... Uh, and he measures in at 6.75 feet or 20.1 hands at his highest point. Phantom's trainer, Courtney Gamer, said he's the biggest horse she's ever ridden. Here's a little photo. I'll just hold that up. I mean, it's pretty blurry. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. That's a big horse. Or it could be a, a big horse. Or it could be a little trainer. But that does look like a big horse. Astonished TikTok viewers marveled at Phantom's height with one wondering, how do you get on him? <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. How does she get on him? And another one noting, it's just amazing to me that some breeds of horses can get this big. This is an article that was in <laughs> I mean, a publication. I was going to say, they aren't the most amazing comments that you need to repeat them in a publication. Phantom has lived to the facility since last year when his large size became too much of a challenge for the owners to handle. The non-profit centre specialises in saving draft horses from slaughter, abuse and neglect, okay. according to the site. Usually those horses are picked up from auctions right before they've been sent to slaughterhouses. I like that. Save from death row. We're the largest draft horse rescue in America, and I've seen numerous giant horses like Phantom, said Nation, who claims she's seen horses five inches taller than him. Seems to me, Will, that when you have a tall horse, you always like to talk about the... It's like a fisherman. Right. It's always a big horse. It was horse, the biggest horse. You should have been here, mate. It's cold today, but this horse is normally five centimetres bigger. <laughs> The centre facilitates both adoptions and sponsorships. Uh, they provide medications and special treatments. Well, during the pandemic, that's exactly what you want, right? Now, is that, for the, is that for the horses or just for people visiting the horses? In hot summer months, the horses like Fan get a cold rinse with a hose and sunscreen applied to their noses. This is a weird article. Volunteers <laughs> love to bring him special treats and Phantom knows who has something very tasty in their pockets before they even enter the field. So what was she alleging? That he's psychic? <laughs> Phantom has psychic. I don't think he does, Laura Nation. Um, we're, while we're in the mailbag, let's keep going, shall we? Okay. And if you want to send us some mail, you can do that by going to tofop.com. There's a little contact form. You just drag down menu, you find out which podcast you want to send some mail to, and, and you can do it right then and there. Uh, and while you're at tofop.com, check out some of our other great podcasts. Will does one called Willosophy. Who's on this week? Uh, Ashling B. Um, she is. One of the funniest comedians in the world. Uh, it is one of my favourite philosophy episodes. Um, yeah, her show This Way Up is on Stan. I highly recommend it. It's awesome. If you like Fleabag and shows like that, um, it's it's that style of show. It's fucking funny, but it's really quite moving and interesting. And uh, uh, she is a really, really funny comedian. Just her brain and the way that she looks at the world. And in the middle of the um interview she has to go and like deal with a package that's getting delivered at the door and she just <laughs> takes the zoom with her and keeps doing the interview as she deals with all this it's so fun it's a it's a really good episode who's on fofop this week osha ginsberg uh you might know him from a couple of little shows called the Masked singer and the bachelor and a podcast called dad pod where he helps out some uh dead weight uh look don't no offense will but it is so great doing a podcast with like a genuine professional like he had his own studio yeah. set up he brought stuff to the show yeah. like we're talking about paul stanley from kiss and he just starts playing like clips i didn't have to do it he like osh is just doing it from his studio it's like oh man this is great i mean i looked up you know the wikipedia page of cnc music factory so i don't <laughs> think i'm not bringing anything yeah. to the table Swings and roundabouts. Uh, you can also go to uh, our YouTube channel, Tofop TV. There's clips put up every week and uh, a full episode. You can listen to the full episodes of the show up there if you prefer to listen to your podcasts on your computer. But back to the mailbag, Will. This is from Ashley, who says, I started listening to you guys when I was 14. Now I'm 23. Between now and then, I went through high school, a bit of uni, some shitty years in terms of mental health, and I became a person. A while ago, you were talking about how influential Monty Python was on you both. I suppose I'm writing to say that you guys are my Monty Python. Well, how about that, Will? In about 
20 years, we're going to start saying some real racist, horrible stuff. Really reactionary things online. <laughs> there were some plenty of mornings I would not have been able to... Can't podcast about anything anymore, can you? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, fair enough too. Imagine if we did that about our back catalogue. Instead of us saying listen backwards and stop like listening when you feel uncomfortable, we went on the opposite and we just started going, no, we should be able to say the things we said in the earlier episodes. I haven't really delved into I think it's a little bit of that. It's like Amy with Morrissey. I don't want to know. Like I've sort of seen some people have had some issues with John Cleese and Terry Gilliam seems to always yep. be putting noses out at joint. Have you delved into it? Is it bad? Should I just, is, it, is ignorance is no, bliss? No, no. No, it's just like old people, old people being old. It's not like Sean Connery stuff. No, a lot of it's like, you know, around political correctness. Oh, a bit of stuff around me too. So, like, I mean, look, you know, on the edges of some stuff, I can understand why people are offended. But, um, yeah, no, one of those things that I, I, I agree, don't don't bother <laughs> learning more about it. Keep your cherished yeah. memories. It's not bad enough that you need to know about it. Uh, Ashley says, there were plenty of mornings I would not have been able to get out of bed if I hadn't pressed play on a comedy conversation between two old friends. So thank you. I guess I'll never be able to quantify what this podcast means to me. You both joke about how stupid the podcast is, but I think it's safe to say that at least for me, it's had a pretty big impact on who I am. The jury is still out on whether it's better or worse, but I'm definitely sure I would have laughed a lot less if it weren't for your show. I'm in such a better place now than I thought I'd ever be able to be in. Although, despite your advice, I'm working at an AI development factory. (laughs) (laughs) I promise the stuff I'm working on won't go all Terminator on people. And even if it does, don't worry, I've added an everybody relax kill switch. So a couple of things before I go. Will, given how much you like RuPaul's Mm -hmm. Drag Race, I highly recommend We're Here for Some Good... We're Here for Some Feel Good Entertainment. It's a HBO show... With three queens from rag, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race making making over people from small town America in drag. Charlie, oh, so do you want to comment on that? Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but it does sound like it might be something I enjoy. Charlie, this is super late, but major congratulations on Iona. You very clearly love being a dad, and anybody could tell that you were going to make a great one, apart from when I'm <laughs> yelling at an eight-year-old in the park. <laughs> Also, did either of you see the most recent Saw movie? It starred Chris Rock. Yes, comedian Chris Rock was uh, the lead in a Saw movie and it was amazing and it was terrible. Anyway, thanks for the laughs, Ashley. I think he, not only is he in it, but I think he wrote it. He got yeah. the rights and he wrote it, which is it's in the Saw so universe. Strange. Like he, he's a fan of the, the Saw universe. universe and he, yeah, I've not watched it. Have you watched it? No, I, I've, I, look, I sort of dipped out of the Saw films probably after one or two. If you could have any movie like you know any movie franchise and just like chris rock style just like write a movie that's in that universe ah i'd have to be like i'd love back to the future i'd love to do the continuing adventures of you know marty mcfly maybe marty mcfly's kids or or something like that i think i think that's still got potential that sort of blend of sci-fi and comedy although maybe rick and morty's come along and Sort of made it redundant, but that I'd, that I'd love to play around with something like that. Uh, it would be against everything that I believe in in life, but I believe that I could write a good Star Wars movie. Do you? I feel like they need someone who hates Star Wars to come in and write a Star Wars movie because I think that I can see what they're working with in a way that people who love Star Wars can't. I recently rewatched all the Matrix films just in prep for the one that's coming out, and. I was surprised by, I didn't hate the sequels as much as I remember hating them in the cinemas. Once you sort of, if you see them as three separate films, like the first one is obviously on its own, absolute classic. The second one is a bit mixed bag. The third one is just like a completely different universe, doesn't know what it wants to be. But here's one thing I will say, Keanu Reeves is so good looking. (laughs) Like he is, I'm a straight man. But just his doe-eyed, pale skin, good looks on camera. You could just press pause. I mean, no wonder those films did so well. Like, it's just him dressed really well, doing, like, kung fu kicks and stuff. That's what it's based on. Like, you know, the idea that Will Smith could have been Neo, I'm like, no, it had to be that guy. He looks so perfect in those trench coats, that sunglasses with his perfect hair and his big brown eyes. 
I mean, Will Smith, by the way, has admitted this himself, but how terrible would have The Matrix been if Will Smith had been Neo in yeah. The Matrix? And instead of Rage Against the Machine, we get Will Smith rapping about, it's The Matrix, you get your reality fixed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is from Steph. Hey, Cha- Tofop, came across this during my random nighttime scrolling and thought of you guys. Maybe Charlie wasn't crazy to try that electric shock workout. Apparently Tom Holland is doing it to get in shape for Spider-Man. And she's uh, posted mm-hmm. a link. It's Tom Holland at one of those EMS um, training facilities. I laugh so hard at that story. The predicaments you get yourself into, Charlie. I also recently listened to the episode where you tracked down, you tracked down your stolen phone. You couldn't have scripted the ending better. Uh, keep up the hilariousness, but keep it safe. You're a dad now. Never gets to remind me of that. <laughs> Can we also just talk about how great Tom Holland is? You should rewatch his lip sync battle. He's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I like Tom Holland. Fine, I think he's a good Spider-Man. What's your feelings on the old? Yeah, I like Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. I know his dad. I think we've mentioned that what? before. But his dad Dominic is a I didn't know stand-up that. comedian who oh, really? I've met a couple of times and um, yeah, done shows with and stuff back in the day, a long time ago. But uh, how does he feel about his son being? hugely more successful than him I have not spoken to him like since his son has been like Spider-Man so <laughs> and I did not want to be one of those people who just crawled out of like you know we're probably still friends on Facebook or whatever but I didn't want to be one of those people who's like hey Dom I know we haven't spoken for 10 years but I'm hitting you up for no particular reason anyway tell us about your son being Spider-Man uh, by the way that AMS studio sent me a, um, a text today mm. letting me know that it's 20% off electrocutions <laughs> coming up that's good news for them Uh, the thing I would say about Tom Holland using that technology to get in shape I don't think we were ever saying necessarily that it wasn't it couldn't be effective in some circumstances but that whether it was a sustainable you know it's not as good as going to a gym and lifting weights it's not it's not you're not getting fit in 20 minutes uh, yeah I don't think Tom Holland would be the first Marvel star who had done something that was strictly a little unorthodox to get in shape for one of the Marvel films <laughs> is what I would suggest. Also, uh, you were talking about freedom, freedom yeah. day. Um, I just, so I went to uh, Bondi this morning to get a cup of coffee and uh, it was very early in the morning. It's really bad weather here. So I didn't expect there'd be anyone around. And there's two gyms that have big open glass walls out into the street and they're next to each other. And those gyms were packed oh, full of people working out masks? this morning. Like people next to... No. Oh. No, people with medicine balls sweating next to each other in a way that will mean that they will need actual medicine <laughs> in a hospital very soon because I was like, really? That's the thing that you... Are you willing to risk a super spreader event to get back to the gym sweating next to somebody else? I'm still like... I mean, I've been in Queensland now for almost four months and yeah. I'm still a holdout with the masks. Like, I'm wearing my mask everywhere when I go into stores and stuff. And I think... Yeah. I think I... I, I, I went into a restaurant and I, the, the maitre d' or the, the, the host or whatever, he, he took my question the wrong way because I walked in, he wasn't wearing a mask and I walked in with my mask and I said to him, because I was looking around at the, the customers and staff and some had masks and some didn't and I said to him, oh, we're we not doing masks now. And I think he took that as a, why aren't you wearing a mask? And so he yeah. just hit me with... Because I work nine-hour days and it's really hard, you know, you try working in a kitchen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, sorry, I'm just asking, do I need to wear my mask in the inside? Because I couldn't see anyone in there. And I was like, obviously, like, he's been putting up with this nonstop. But I don't know, I don't know what the, what Queensland's, Queensland, speaking of, like, the Matrix, Queensland has been like Neo. Every time there's an outbreak up here, it's like, there's like, you know, 15 school kids in Interloopy have got COVID. And it's like, and they're, they're fine. <laughs> They're all in isolation. It's fine. I think it's Indoorapilly, but like I love Indoorapilly. It's much better, to be honest. So lock it in. Uh, Rachel says, hi, Will and Charlie. Charlie and Will. Long time listener. First time writing in. I'm a trainee teacher in the UK and I've been listening to TOEFOP since I was a teenager. Blam, man, we are scooping in that zillennial bloody market. Zillennial? Is that where we're at now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I have a year. I I. <laughs> I have an everyone relax sticker on my laptop, which the kids in my class saw one day. They started repeating it back to me in the way that eight-year-olds do. Now we use it in my classroom when the noise volume gets too high. I thought you'd like to know that Tofop is influencing some eight-year-olds in the UK, uh, albeit accidentally. 
Love the pod so much. It gives me a nice welcome break from planning and marking. Thanks for all the laughs. We keep her laughing, so she keeps them learning. How do you feel about that, Will? TOFOP is influencing the calming of eight-year-olds in the UK. I mean, this is how everyone relaxed becomes a mantra, right? This school, this class suddenly has exceptional results. Like they, they go back, you know, they get some British government study just going, we just don't understand how this particular school, it must be the teacher, maybe the teacher is amazing, but it's also this, they identify this mantra that these kids say every day. They introduced it in American schools that stop school shootings. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how TOEFOP takes over the be, world. Be excellent to each other and party on yeah. dudes. Exactly. That's how we bill and dead it, which is all we've ever wanted from this podcast. Uh, Sasha has come in with some suggestions, some more slogans. Mm. Um, hey guys, love last week's show. Here's my contributions. Um, for those who like to listen to the podcast while walking. All right, Will, you want to guess this? We keep you. We keep on blank, so you keep on blank. And it's for walkers. People like to walk. Yeah, um, talking so, and walking. They keep on talking, so we keep on walking. That would actually. That's probably simpler than what he's coming with. No, more. His is more of a philosophical. You know, we keep on. Maybe start with the simile for walking. What do you do when if you were walking without a without a destination strolling they keep the last rolling so we keep on no, that's strolling good as well in fact i'm liking yours a lot better than, than sash's uh no if you uh if 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 you if you were to work walk without a destination you might say you're uh, going for a bit of a wander okay yeah so we keep on uh ponder we yes. ponder so that we keep they, on pondering so that we keep on wondering okay yeah you, you like that yeah. I mean, I came up with two that were just as good off the top of my head. So, yeah. This is from Jessica. Hey, uh, fellas. I was listening to last week's episode, Howlin' and Growlin'. By the way, a lot of people were not, um, uh, did not realise that Growlin' is a uh, is a euphemism for cunnilingus, which I think we've educated. So, with along with everyone, relax. Hopefully, the eight-year-olds will. <laughs> not growl. I mean, my I, what I grew up with was growling out. You've been growling out, not I, not growling. Yeah, or go on the growl. Oh, yeah, go on the growl. And uh, a vagina could also be a growler. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that you guys can do an hour plus on merch taglines. No sarcasm here. Seriously, it was great. I came up with one um, on my drive and I wanted to share it as I felt the lack of bin-related content was really missed. So here you go. Yeah. Um, this is for priests. <laughs> okay. And Jessica has clarified that she's not a priest. Now, this should be easy. We keep on talking bins, so they keep... Uh, absolving sins. Correct. And you even used absolving. That's great. Well done, Will. Uh, well, as noted above, I'm not in the religious profession. I have had my own bin-related dramas. Plus, bins is easy to rhyme. No slant rhymes here, which I can't. Uh, help but take a, as an insult, a slight on me. Slant rhymes are fine rhymes. Um, you might remember where we also talked about uh, uh, that menthol powder that people in Germany snort. Jack Watts, the uh, AFL footballer, was photographed snorting yep. that menthol. Well, Tom's got a bit of insight. Uh, hey, guys, I was listening to your episode on celebrities snorting mysterious white substances when you brought up Jack Watt, the Jack Watts defense. I spent some time in Germany in 2019 and played a few games for an Aussie rules team over there, the Munich Kangaroos. I wasn't there at the same time as Jack Watts, but, uh, but, but here is what I heard countless times during the stretching circle at club training. The club, the club always watched the AFL grand final together at a pub at around 4.30 in the morning and then kick on to a tent at Oktoberfest. When they were there with all of their mates, they saw Watts and they coaxed him over in an attempt to try and get him to play in the upcoming match. As a bribe, one of the boys supplied him with a bottle of Weizenkox, which is the menthol powder, <laughs> Cox, K-O-K-S, um, that he was later snapped with snorting off uh, the chest of a girl, which is a common practice during Oktoberfest. I did find the sight of people snorting white powder openly off tables quite strange, and I've got no doubt that during Oktoberfest there's plenty of people open, openly snorting coke as well, but I'm pretty sure that the Jack, Watt, Jack Watts shaggy defense is legit. I mean, what a great cover story, by the way. Yeah. 
If you are going to have a party where people are going to snort cocaine off the table, also get some bison cocks. Uh, <laughs> this is from Sean. Uh, g'day, lads. Just reached out to say cheers for all the great content. I've been on board since episode 10. Haven't missed a beat. In fact, I wanted to let you know that you have pervaded the English syllabus. Will, this okay. is amazing. <laughs> Either this is amazing or the standard of education around the world is slipping terribly. I think a thing can be both things at the same time. <laughs> My year 10s are studying a unit which requires them to deconstruct the comedy genre mm. using film as the key medium. After umming and ahhing about this for a while, I stumbled on my answer while listening to Will speak about the TV show What We Do in the Shadows, a perfect core text to, uh, to use to teach the kids about satire, spoof parody, cinema verite, intertextuality, and mockumentary. But then I needed to establish the background knowledge of students in terms of the vampire horror genre as well as the mockumentary genre. The horror genre trope thing was easy enough, but what do you use as an entry-level mockumentary for a bunch of 15-year-olds? Charlie to the Rescue, Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes locked in. But still, is that too nuanced for 15-year-olds? Back to Will's love affair with Taika Waititi, I went and voila, Team Thor and Team Daryl revealed themselves. Have you seen those short films? They're brilliant. Have you seen those? No. Uh, um, uh, uh, Daily Pierce, Daily Pearson, is that his name? The guy who created Bluey? Well, one of the creators of Bluey yeah, and Taika. Yeah. They're these short films that they made. And it's like Thor uh, with his housemate. It's just this like schlubby. It's a very Taika comedy. It's like Thor's got this like schlubby Australian housemate who works in like an office job. And you know, Thor's always leaving Milnor on the coffee table and stuff. <laughs> it's very funny. Very Taika. Anyway, uh, nothing else for me, but want to say thanks again for everything. And to let you know that your oeuvre is now piercing the stage five New South Wales English syllabus. Just what they needed after 15 weeks of lockdown. A bloody good laugh. Well, I've got some good news. If you like Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes, there's some more Alan on its way. Is that lockdown. right? Yeah, yeah. Richie, uh, Richie and I have been working on some more Alan. It's, uh, we've had to work around COVID restrictions and him yeah. being in one, one part of the country, maybe in another. But I've just finished editing four new episodes of Alan Mercedes, which will be hitting the Tofop YouTube channel in two weeks. So keep your eyes on the socials. I'll be publicizing that more. One last bit of mail, Will, to go out. This is from Chris. Charlie, you big hole. <laughs> G'day, fellas. You've been chatting about AI technologies for a while. And on one of your recent eps, Charlie was saying how he's not worried about AI and has a Google Nest in his house. Well, I've had a Google Nest sitting at home in its packaging for three years. I won it in a competition. I wasn't actually thrilled about it because I know they listen in on everything and they sell you stuff. To, they sell that on to potential advertisers. And because of my morals, I found it hard to give it away as a gift because I didn't want anyone else having to deal with that same issue. Anyway, Charlie, you were sharing how you're not too worried about it and you actually find it quite useful having it in your home. Well, what an influence you are. A few days later, I grabbed the box, blew the dust off and opened it up. I too was going down the slippery slope of AI. I punched in all my details, my email, my address. It was like an adrenaline rush, handing over my keys literally to Google. Soon enough, it was up and working. I have three young boys and they loved it. Another sure sign this is pure evil. My six-year-old was soon having a chat with Hey Google, both bantering to each other. He thought it was sick. It was telling him jokes. It was playing music. The other day, I, sorry, on the other hand, I was watching with trepidation because little did my six-year-old boy know that every bit of information he was freely handing over was being mined by the data machines. At one point, my son Tom asked the machine what its favorite animal was. The machine politely replied that it likes all animals. What's your favorite animal? Tom replied, snakes. I was watching from a distance, quiet. It felt like I'd let a monster out of its cage and I let it enter my home. My kids, my family will forever be mined for data for, for, uh, to advertising bastards to sell, sell us stuff. Will they sell us pet snakes? I don't know. I know I can put it back in its box, but a bit like anything, once something's out, it's out. <laughs> so thank you, Charlie, for, tip, for tipping me over the edge to the dark side. If you don't have AI on the payroll, they should. Well, no, literally that whole conversation we had was, yes, AI was paying us to endorse that product. Sincerely, fuck you. Uh, no, sincerely fucked yours, underwater guy. P.S. I would love to know if Will would ever have a Google in his home. Um, I've already got the Wi-Fi Nest thing, yeah, whatever that's what that is. Um, so 
like I have that and I am I have a smart TV and like things like that. So the idea that somehow I'm protected from so realistically, I, I just don't particularly use that style of technology. I don't use Siri on my phone or anything like that either. It's just not my my vibe. But um yeah, I think this is my general feeling about the world is why we have to like have the big conversation about whether these things are good, bad or indifferent at the start. Because yeah. once they're out, they're out. I think that is absolutely true. Yes, yeah. we could put it back in the box, but now that it's out of the box, we're not going to put it back in the box. And it, with every advance in human technology, once we get it out of the box, then like it, it's always introduced as a bit of a joke or a novelty at the start. But then after a while, when we're used to it, they just ramp it up. Yeah, that's what we're taking back to George McFly, the Google Nest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Anderson.